Hello and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I'm one of your hosts. Every Wednesday and Friday, we bring you episodes of female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Scout. Scout is a, hmm, she's a sculptor, um, glass artist. Um, I feel like Scout just does a lot of good combining of mediums. Um, so I don't wanna speak too much for them. I'll let the interview do a lot of speaking for them instead. But um, excited to have Scout on and get to learn about her journey and background and uh, finding, finding her voice. I think that's a really good message that came through. And so I, I think that will resonate with a lot of you. Before we hop into it with Scout, though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the Pod Squad over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette at 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson at Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom Bonnie Toolmomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio, Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing support, helping to produce two episodes a week every week. If you would like to get your name added to this list that is thanked at the start of every episode, you certainly can. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting revolution. And no matter what tier you pick, your name will be added to this list. All right, let's head on into our interview with Scout. Well, uh, for my podcast, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yeah, uh, I am Scout Cartagena. My pronouns are she, they. Um, I live in Philadelphia. Pennsylvania, and I'm originally from Baltimore, and I am a educator, uh, glass blower, or glass artist, I would say, um, and printmaker, and anything else they want to, th- I want to throw at myself. <laughs> that sounds like a typical artist uh, maker right there. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, awesome, and thank you for sharing your pronouns. I appreciate that. Um so I want to ask, kind of start with a pretty broad question, which is, I want to, I want to know your your story, like you know, from from baby scout to like where you where you're at now. I love the term baby scout because I'm just like <laughs> imagining babies in oversized scout clothes, just being like <laughs> doing knots. <laughs> um, yeah, so I come from a, a man named George Cartagena, who's from Puerto Rico originally. And my mother, Patricia Cartagena, who is from the U.S., I always said Chicago is where she's from, but it, apparently it's not. So, mom, I'm so sorry that I <laughs> never remember what state. It, for a dad who's in Puerto Rico, he's kind of like very, but then when it comes to like remembering states, I'm just like, but you were in Chicago and we have family in Georgia. Um, she's Black and she's amazing and she's the sweetest woman on this earth. Um I am one of many children. I have four brothers and I have two sisters. Um, I am right in the middle. Okay. <laughs> I'm the oldest girl. 
Um, and I am like, after all the boys, I came right there. And then there was the two girls after. Um, but uh, my parents are military um, for retired Air Force. So I grew up like traveling. So I lived in Japan as a little baby um, in Misawa, sorry, Misawa, Japan. I lived in England for a really long time um, in Norfolk and then the U.S. and then like every state besides the West Coast we frequented due to travel. So like, you know, Baltimore is like the, oh, Maryland itself is like the longest I've ever been anywhere besides the England. So I like to say that's like my home, but my heart does have like a, a lot of the, I say a lot of the most important years of my life was like also in England as well. Like a lot of like childhood memories are like very deep there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and uh, I got, I got into art very young, apparently. I was super into Sailor Moon. So my dad would like take her VHS covers of her episodes and he'd put it to a glass window and put paper over it and tape it. And I would just like trace it all the time. Um, I was super into out of the box. So I was always trying to like have my dad build me forts. Um, <laughs> super into like the medieval concept at a very young age. I was like, I'd like to be a knight, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, Cause I'm just imagining me like in combat boots and a diaper, just being like, this is it. This is the look this I should wear. Yes. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. And then uh, my dad really fostered my, um, that artistic part of my life. He's always been like, when you're famous, I'm going to keep your, little elementary school drawings so when you're famous you have a book and then you can get published and I'm like that's so cute um and then uh when I got older I was like always into art I was super bad at math um without anyone realizing I was super dyslexic when it came to like numbers though I loved reading so they were kind of like hmm um <laughs> it's weird how that works out I'm like I have a terrible attention span <laughs> I also was really bad at like with dyslexia but also I can read 100 books in like a month um Mm -hmm. at a very young age but um yeah so I guess in high school I would say well also in elementary school in England uh, I had art teachers who gave interest in me and saw that I was really interested in the arts and like kind of pushed that at me and were like do you want new materials would you like a different project and like they gave me an opportunity to Mm -hmm. kind of uh just like express myself in the way I wanted to. And whether that was drawing a billion manga anime characters to a little bit older drawing like portraits of rappers um, in the old like Byzantine style, which I didn't realize I was doing until like, I was like, oh, I was on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I drew Biggie as like a saint. (laughs) That's kind of awesome. But I didn't realize it. I was just like, this is cool looking. and once I finished high school in Maryland, I was kind of just like, I don't know if I can go to school for anything else besides art. Like I couldn't see it. Like I was like, oh, I maybe wanted to be like a theater manager because um, I was really into theater. And then um, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like be like a like a librarian. And then I went to my first year at MICA in Baltimore, Maryland Institute College of Art, and fell in love with printmaking and illustration. Um, do head in. Mm-hmm. But the only thing was I couldn't keep up with illustration because it was into the very like adventure time era. Mm-hmm. And also people were um, using computers all the time for illustration. And I didn't have that access in school. Um, no one really taught me how to use computers to do that way. Not even Photoshop. And I want to do photography. So I was like totally lost. And I was even told by a teacher, like, you're not going to be able to make it at all. And I was like, cool, I'm here in college to learn how to use computer stuff. And they're like, no, actually, you're here to strengthen what you already know. And I was like, oh, cool. So if I don't know how to do graphic design, that's it. I just have to teach myself or 
somehow pick it up from a friend. So um, I ended up very quickly dropping illustration after two years and printmaking. I loved it, but I needed a break. Uh, so I moved to Texas, Austin, Texas um, to love my best friend. And once there, you know, it was Austin, Texas in 2015, I believe, or 14. And it's just like partying and punk shows and metal shows and drinking a lot. <laughs> like to the point where I was like, I was kind of just like, I'd like to sleep in today. And they're like, no. <laughs> um, and I didn't really do art for a few years because I was kind of discovering myself and like learning about music and the way that I really wanted to, like, like wanting to play in bands and stuff. Um, and then I got sick with, an autoimmune disorder. Uh, it's called HLH. It's a very long name. Uh, anyone can Google it if they'd like to. I cannot pronounce it half the time. Um, but I got really sick and I thought, oh, maybe it's a tolerance to like drinking a lot. Maybe I just need a break or maybe I'm just running around too much working like four jobs because that's what you do when you're young, sadly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I got super sick and ended up going to the hospital. My family's all in Maryland. And then before I knew it, I woke up in the hospital and they were like, you are dying. Like your body's failing on you. And they didn't know what was going on with me. My parents all came to basically support me and or basically to see me off kind of, mm -hmm. sadly. Um, but some doctor pulled a doctor house move and just was like, try this. <laughs> and they did. And I like, went up I like you know I like got a lot of like um support from him and he looked into me more and gave me the attention I needed which is not often in medical with people of color that we get that kind of attention and like push um I'm very lucky and uh saved my life and then I started the journey for chemotherapy um and once I started chemotherapy they I moved back to Maryland with my family to be closer to them and to be able to bring my dog with me who he was not happy about the change <laughs> he had to be in a u-haul for a few days with my parents from texas um but yeah and i finished chemotherapy like a year and a half later luckily it wasn't very long um and as soon as i finished i was like i gotta get the hell out of here like i gotta get out of my place i went to high school mm -hmm. i have to get out of here i cannot be here so i looked at philly um because there's a lot of art schools out here mm -hmm. um and I was like, I get back into school. Like I got to get my life together. Like this was a horrible experience. I got to shake it up right. a little bit. Going to go here. Um, but yeah, I moved to Philly and got accepted into Temple Tyler School of Art and Design. And as soon as I got there, I saw a glass. And I was like, I always wanted to try this, you know, and I transferred in. So a lot of my credits were kind of wishy-washy with the school um so I was like well I'm gonna be here longer anyway let me see if I can try something new I know how to print make do print making I just could strengthen my skills there but I've never done glass and then from there I went from 2d to 3d and have not stopped <laughs> <laughs> um and I tacked on art education as well because I've always wanted to be helpful to those because someone helped me mm -hmm. and also the representation for having a black art teacher was zero I've never had any besides the cooperating teacher I'm with now and I've never seen a classroom with primarily black students in art um, who are making projects they feel proud of. So this is like my first time seeing this. And I not like to be like a freedom writer style teacher, but I like do want to make a difference, but also it's something that I think childhood me really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I like to say I'm an artist, but my favorite thing in the whole world is art education because if no one took a chance on me, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am now. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> you're, good, you're good. I just, I'm like, oh, where do I want to go first? Um, I want to, I think I do want to like specify when you say glass artists, like what type of glass artist? Because I know that there's like different types of glass artwork. Yeah. I, it's so funny when I first started doing glass, I really was into like hot blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like working in the studio with multiple people and like the heat. I don't even like sweating, but I def- definitely lost a few eyebrows and <laughs> put a full face of makeup on in order to have it like on my shirt yeah. um, to, but like, you know, that community that's in there and like, oh, I need this. Can you help me? Like, no questions asked. Do you have just to be clear about your, um, what you say? And someone's like, I got it. Or they will help you fulfill your dream because they see it too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been super inspiring because printmaking is like pretty independent for the most part, besides maybe like litho or sometimes screen printing, but it feels like very just on your own, which I do like as a very Labrador retriever type of person. I'm very like, <laughs> so like, you know, having moments of quiet to work on something I really want to see move forward is great. Even when I'm frustrated with it. So glass, I was like frustrated. Someone's like, well, we could either try something new. What if you tried this? I could add a bit here. Just like really inspired me. Um, but as I get older, um, I have a lot of like early onset arthritis in my hands and I can't really make fists a lot of times or I can't hold anything heavy mm-hmm. or um, walking back and forth all day. Like I start limping um, because of like my autoimmune disorder. I'm like very weak at times. So um, I've actually like retracted from the hot shop for a little bit and just been kind of doing like printmaking on glass, printmaking rings mm-hmm. into glass, sculptural pieces that are glass but other items um which I did question for a long time I was like is am I still a glass artist if I'm not always using glass or that's not the main vehicle I'm using um what does it mean to mix them together so yeah um so I would say I like I dabble in all of it um especially I'm like even kilns and stuff like that so I'm figuring it out okay hey pond squad I would like to give a big shout out and thanks to this week's sponsor, Rockport Works. They offer safety footwear that suits people's occupation and lifestyle by incorporating performance, safety, and style into every shoe and boot. Each shoe features a slip-resistant outsole and a toe cap varying between steel, alloy, and composite. Other features such as electrical hazard and shock protection are also available depending on your safety needs. So Rockport delivers extraordinary technology-based comfort using the latest advances in construction and design to create both modern and classic shoe styles. So whatever the outfit, they've got you covered. Their goal is to support your style, to take you from work to leisure and everything in between. Try Rockport works for yourself and change the world without changing your shoes. Now, they offered to send me some boots and I said, hey, look here, I got lots of boots. I got plenty of boots. I really, really, really need a shoe that's going to work for me out in the workshop because right now, if I don't feel like wearing my work boots, I'm wearing my tennis shoes. And not only is it hard on the tennis shoes, those aren't really the best to wear protection and safety wise out in the shop. So they sent me a pair of their True Stride uh, work shoes, which are these slip-on shoes that have 
a zipper on them and they consist of moisture wicking micro mesh liner and a leather upper and they've got this nice little cushion in the heel that really is helpful for my lower back personally um, they have these shoes available in sizes from 6 to 12 in both M and W widths. I went with W because I've got a wide foot. And I'm just going to let you know. So I went ahead and ordered my standard like eight wides and they do run a little bit big on me, but I love them even more for that, honestly, because that makes them easier to slip on and off. So I just slip right in, head on out to the garage, do some work, come in, take them off, don't track sawdust all over the house. So it is Fantastic. Um, the shoe, besides being super cool and comfy, also meets all ASTM safety standards and requirements. All right, so if you want to try out a pair of the True, Sti True Stride shoes or any of their other work boots and shoes, um, head on over to Rockport Works and you can use discount code FREEMAN. 25. That's Freeman, F-R-E-E-M-A-N, 25, to get 25% off of your purchase at checkout. So take advantage of this super sweet deal for listeners of the pod and head on over and check out Rockport Works. All right, let's head back into the episode. And I would say to, I mean, an outside set of eyes would say, I think it's cooler if you're mixing in other things, because personally, I'm one of those people who likes to try to mix up you know, mediums too. And, right. and kind of be like, what can I do? <laughs> what's the, what's the limits here? <laughs> exactly. Like I'm currently like learning how to use a CNC machine with yes. wood and like learning to mill wood myself. And mm -hmm. I'm in the sculpture department, just like looking around, like what's a jointer? Anyone know what a joiner is or the, <laughs> what's a, what's a planer? And everyone's yes. just like, I will help you. And I'm like, cool. Cause I'm just trying this really wild idea. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so I do want to like, um, I, I found it interesting when you said like, I think you use the term freedom writer, uh, educator. Um, and so I am like, I do want to dive in a little bit, you know, you have, I would probably say like two probably really rich um, ancestry to come from both Puerto Rican and Black. Um, what did it, I guess, what did it feel like being you growing up and even your memories in England? I would imagine there weren't a lot of people who looked like you in those spaces. Yeah, I will, because of the military aspect, like, I was like, I feel like I was visiting different places, but I was enclosed in this area. Um, like when I came to the U.S., it was like more suburban. But when I was like in the U.K., we lived like near chips, like chip businesses, above buildings. You know, we lived in little tiny little cottage houses. We lived in like half of a mansion for a dude who like he outfitted the mansion with like knights armors and tapestries, which is like pretty cool if you're reading Harry Potter for the first time to be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Here I am. Yes. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, he had like two great Danes and just like that kind of like almost didn't seem real sometimes, but sometimes it'd be like really rough or you're just kind of like, just like, I looked around and it'd be like maybe a few children of color besides me. Um, but we were all in this like unit of like the military, like we're always traveling. They call us like, they call us like the 
the dandelions i think whatever because they're always blowing in the wind somewhere and setting seeds new places which is really cute um but yeah like i mean i didn't really grow up with like the aspect of what a home was like my family my parents made everywhere a home but i wasn't like this is my childhood home right. you know so you know i did not see a lot of kids of color if i had i didn't really have any educators of color as well um and it was wild because i mean there's tons of people of color in england there's tons yeah. um i just was in this like military base of not seeing many but there's people of color in the military so it's like you know the interactions are a little weird because i um I get cold like white most of my life, especially when I got to middle school or high school, mostly high school. Um, the way I talk, the way I dress, the things I'm interested in was like considered white culture. And I was kind of just like, I didn't know what that meant for a long time because I was just like, I'm just into things that other people have gotten me into. And I don't really know what it's like to have that for a while, like be like designated as white or black. Even my mother, like her family, a lot of them live in Georgia. And they're just like super cute country. They live near Atlanta. Like they like like drinking beers and with the garage open, like sports and like like talking about things like movies and actors, but like they're black. And I didn't I not I'm not saying I don't see color. It's just one of those things where it's like no one they made fun of me for being the RC weird one. And I knew that I was different from there, but they still loved me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see that as disconnect. I was just kind of like, I was othered in a way that was really interesting by family. And then I went to my yeah. dad's side and they're Puerto Rican. I was othered in a way that I didn't speak Spanish. And I also was just like listening to them talk and doing this back and forth, like <laughs> watching a ping pong match. I was just like, what is happening? And then they would pinch my cheek and tell me I'm beautiful in Spanish and then be like, rub my back. And it was just very loving on both sides. Right. Right. But I knew that I didn't like fit in either way because yeah. of like the traveling and because I like am like mixed race so it was very interesting um but as far as education goes like it I looked in a room full of kids who didn't look like me um mm-hmm. but we all grew up like traveling so it was like that was their only thing that we had together so for a long time I didn't see myself which is really weird as like black or Puerto Rican I just saw myself as like a kid in school and when you know obviously injustices happen racism yeah. is creeps in childhood they push their racism in slowly but surely they'll get it you know and you kind of realize like oh there's a there's a line here Mm -hmm. and people are putting this line down and I can either go one way or the other way or I can see if there's a way that I can make my own and so for years I've like held anti-blackness I've held like othering I've held this like mixed race trauma dialect and like you know the slam poetry style of me like who am I but um kind of just scout (laughs) and I am proud to be black and proud to be Puerto Rican but definitely grew up not seeing a lot yeah I was I was gonna mention because I I haven't finished listening to the audiobook um I'm Still Here by Austin uh Channing Brown and um she speaks basically that same kind of experience like I think it was a I think she went to a Catholic school um, mm-hmm. and it was all pretty much all white. I think she said there was like fewer than five, I think, of uh, children of color. And so she would have a maybe a little bit similar experience of like when she went and saw family then mm-hmm. or like would go spend the summer <laughs> with her black family, uh, cousins and stuff like that. They would call her white because uh, she didn't understand some of the black cultural references and you know, didn't, didn't have the same dialect and all of that stuff. Um, and so, you know, 
obviously I have no reference to what that experience is like myself. Um, but I think it was eye-opening to hear it there and then to <laughs> explain the same same situation. Um, I guess I want to ask like a bit about your journey to getting comfortable of just saying you're scout, you're, you're who you are, you know, Um, because I can, I can try to imagine anyways that it would feel like a little bit of like, where do I belong? Um, You know? Um, And then even, I guess, getting to a space of, like you mentioned at the start, your pronouns, um, that also brings in another intersection of things. Oh, it's all a mix. It's all swirling together. And it's, yeah. it's like when you like mix water clothes, it gets a little muddy. You're like, what's happening? Hopefully That's something right. will come out of this. <laughs> no, it's true though. Like, I mean, I've always identified as like, in my mind is queer, like elementary school I was kind of like something's up here because I kept like being super in love with like Esmeralda from Notre Dame and Mulan and I was like oh I want to be them but I wasn't they're like really pretty and like that way it's like oh they're so cute but I was just like (laughs) (laughs) you know and then like you know I like really love the Tamora Pierce's books about like lady knights and like girls who cut their hair off and assume roles of um masculinity in the medieval area and just like taking charge and then be like aha I've had boobs all along right <laughs> you, down, you know like yeah. checkmate for like the women <laughs> but also um you know just like as I got older like I also like was very just like very proud and very into like feminism at a very young age because I was like you know I read a lot about 50s and 60s and I was like whoa but I knew I was ignoring a part of that history, which was like about African-Americans struggles in that. So when feminist movements or even disability movements were going on, they were still excluding like black women or black people in general, Um, even in the queer dialogue or like LGBTQIA um, community, we have ignored a lot of the injustices that happened to black folk who fall within that. And finding identity as like queer was like one thing, which is wild to find like, as like a woman, when I identify as a woman at a young age, I was like, that was one step. And like standing up for that and like body positivity and like, then it was queerness. And my parents were like, that's cool. Luckily I had a lot of support. My family was like, we hear you, we understand you, we love you. My mom and, I, and my mom and my dad might understand all the time, but they're not gonna be like, ooh, they're just very like, cool. I mean, we have no idea how to talk about it half the time, but my dad will send me like a queer, like for Demi Lovato and be like, Hey, look, look. And I'm like, thanks dad. <laughs> he like, gave me Demi Lovato's like a uh, journal book. And I was like, Oh, thanks dad. <laughs> you know? So it's like really cool that my, and then my parents are watching like visible, like queer people on TV and stuff like that. Um, like shows like insecure even. Um, so it's really interesting seeing that, um, that grow, but that was next up. And then the hardest part has been being black and knowing that there's that's multifaceted, I guess I would say, and that there's no one way to do it. And that my blackness and my queerness are like together because there are black queer people in this world. Um, and knowing that like, I can't, I don't do the whole colorblindness thing. I can't not acknowledge that I am a light-skinned black woman and then I came into pronouns 
which is like for me I was like on the outside I felt like you know I went to art school so I was like oh what's that mean oh what's that mean oh cool blue hair and queerness seems to go together you know dyed pits and mullets go together like Mm -hmm. and I was like but I'm not either of those I don't like theater like theater musicals I don't like I like theater don't like musicals (laughs) very rarely (laughs) Chicago Uh, (laughs) it's probably because it's so queer (laughs) but um you know like I just like it was, it was all like, they were all, the pieces were all there, but I did not connect them as my identity for a long time. And um, being gay and being punk, like, I just didn't see people like me. And then I'm like, so I'm presenting to a lot of people and what that looks like saying, I'm like, oh, I'm a pansexual or a bisexual person. And everyone's like, yeah, but you date mostly like cis dudes and like, but then they're white a lot of the times. And like, what well, it looks like to my blackness. So just fighting these, these like multiple yeah. sides of things was exhausting for a really long time and then I hit like 25 (laughs) and then you know and then quarantine happened and I was just like yeah I hate to say this but like I'm getting a little too old to be like frustrated with this crap sometimes you know like identity comes in all waves you can be 82 and understand like who you are right but I was just like yeah I'm kind of done with like being upset about who I am and having my question myself to the point where like, I don't like me. Mm-hmm. And that does happen with like having bipolar disorder, like, you know, like what is the real you, what isn't, you know, and coming to terms with what might be presented. But luckily I have an awesome therapist, shout out to Lavanda, who <laughs> is my first black therapist and was just like, you can't stop being you but you feel like you're on an entertainer. You feel like you're always on the spot, but you cannot stop being the authentic you. Uh, you should have to find time for resting for yourself, you know? And so I am being me. I just don't think it is me because it's so on. Yeah. Um, so all that comes together just, but just to say like, it took a long time. It's still taking time for me, but I'm finding a lot of peace and comfort in that and having a community that's my own that doesn't follow any trend on, on all spec even the marginalized communities doesn't follow a trend <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're just like oh, how do I want to be black how do I want to be gay and everyone's just like oh no no you don't have to go to clubs and mm-hmm. party and you don't have to like go to pride every single year and you don't have to know all the lingo you just have to be you but also mutual aid and being there for each other is a big part of it too mm-hmm. so that's kind of how I found out about me still figuring it out obviously because I'm only 28 but <laughs> It's one of those things where at the same time, I'm just like, I can take a step forward with my work and who I am because I see people, what people see when they look at me and I'm able to push forward as like, no, 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 but this is me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this probably gives you no hope whatsoever, but I just turned 40 and I still am trying to figure out who the hell I am most of the time. So. <laughs> so I, feel, I, don't know. I feel like life's such a, like, so corny. Life's a journey. Take it one step at a time. It is. I will say it gets better. Like, I'm definitely, like, I am looking forward to my 40s. Like, you could not pay me to go back and live my 20s. (laughs) You just could not. (laughs) Being 28, I'm still kind of like, ooh, early 20s me? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone involved, I'm so sorry. (laughs) If you knew me in my 20s, early 20s, no, you didn't. Exactly. (laughs) Just forget that. Skip to now. Yeah. Doing great now. Let's just talk about that. (laughs) Um, I guess I'm curious. uh, 
I know so much like being an, an artist or, you know, a maker, like a lot of times I think we feel our feelings in our work, like that's how we kind of process it. And so I'm just curious, like, how have you seen all of these kind of iterations, like, come through in your work? Mm -hmm. So I always joke around this time, my first year at Micah in a foundations class, I had this white um, gay male teacher ask me when I, because I used to make illustrations based on like animals and like carnage and very metal like imagery, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but also like very like intricate. Um, he would be like, he said to me, why don't you just make work about being a black woman? Like that's, that's your experience. Like what, why don't you use that? And I was like, looked around the room. There's only like two other black kids who were like from like DC or from actually like in the city of Baltimore. And we were totally different, but we had this like, yeah, knew each other. And they looked at me and I looked at them and I looked around the room and I was looking at me like nodding with him to the two other black kids who were like, oh no and I just was like I I'm sorry I apologized which feels really weird to look back that I like felt so truly sad that I disappointed someone about who I was like not like I lied about anything I just kind of like making work and discovering as a freshman in college (laughs) and uh, I just was like I'm sorry and I kind of from there was like I don't want to make personal work ever because there's a stereotype about black folk making personal work seems like the narratives are very like about historical racism mm-hmm. they're about like you know there's like this free flowy bohemian zoe kravitz style version as well there's like all these different types that i was being pushed forward by like white educators as like the person to look at yeah. those really hard narratives that like fell into a pattern almost and i didn't see where i would fall in like yeah i think the injustices were super terrible and I, like i mean Right. More of it was terrible, like, and they hold us back to this day, and white supremacy is still running rampant despite us what we think now. But I was like, do I want to make that? No. Do right. I think I could? No. Do I even have the mindset to get into that right now? No. I just want to go party, <laughs> and I want to be able to sneak into concert. That's all I wanted to do. So I just felt really weird because I was like, I just wanted to make band merch and make like posters and T-shirts for these bands I really like. I didn't even think about that stuff. And I felt kind of like forced and weird, uncomfortable. Mm. And for years, I just made work that I thought was just interesting and like looked good. I just didn't even want to think about concept any deeper because if it got personal, I felt uncomfortable. Mm. So I shied away from it for years. And when I got into glass, I didn't really think 3D. I thought installation in my brain. Like mm. I wanted a room to take up space with work in it, but it was still 2D work mixing with like installation and not like 3D aspects. So when I got into glass and just saw what it did and what shapes it made and what like black glass looked like, it's like, oh, so, so sexy. Black glass is so sexy. (laughs) Um, And just like started looking at that. I was like, oh, there's something I want to talk about. And it was like the medical trauma I had gone through. Mm -hmm. And then that mixed in with like identity, like who am I after being sick? Who am I, who was before being sick? What does it look like for the memory gaps I have right now? And what, what do I remember? And why do I remember it? Mm-hmm. And I started making personal work and it felt kind of bad at first because you'd be a, a silent room crit where you just like present the work and everyone's like, okay, 
you know, like no one really asks any engaging questions. No one really yeah. pushes forward. You say this like concept is very personal. And if you are one of the few people of color in your classroom, no one's going to try to poke the bear on that one. They're just like, oh, okay. So everyone's <laughs> and scared. They're like, I'm right. like, oh, black woman uh, for work is interesting or not really interesting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like everyone was kind of like, what am, what am I going to do? Like, what is that? You know, but I wanted conversation and I wanted to know like if I was on the right path, but I didn't feel like I was getting it from my peers for a little bit. And so then I started pushing the work and being like, I just want to make it. I just want to try it, you know? And my faculty was like, yeah, keep doing that. <laughs> they were like, like slowly in the background, like rubbing their hands, like you're doing great. And they like quietly, like, like, and very like openly then started pushing me forward. And I started getting that momentum in me. I was like, you know what? Screw it. If they can't like back me on this situation, like, um, like my peers can't give me what I need. I'm just going to make what I want to make and then look for the opinions I'm looking for and look for the voices I want to hear, see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got it. And then my peers started following suit. And then I started being able to talk about my work professionally. Um, and my, you know, my dad came to so one of my pieces, started crying. My mom was super proud. My dad wants that piece in his house, even though it's like a whole desk in the installation. I'm like, there's no way that's going in the house. My mom would be so furious. <laughs> She'd be like, why? But also proud of why. Um, <laughs> but I started falling like in line for me, you know, and my identity started falling in with that because it's just, I make personal work now. And sometimes I'm like, so here's a loading of trauma and everyone's like, holy crap. And I'm like, is it, is that bad? They're like, no, but like, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just say that I'm a lot. So it's nice to know that my work is getting opportunities that it can, when I'm just making to make for myself and for processing. Mm-hmm. I guess I just want to say like, no, it was not me personally, but I still want, I feel the need to say, I'm sorry you had that experience from yeah. white instructors. Cause yeah, they were trying to push a certain, you know, narrative on you. But I guess I want to, because I feel like, you know, for one, like, they were pushing what they assumed your personal narrative was going to be on you. So that's pretty shitty. And, <laughs> and <laughs> hey, makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, And also, great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout if you enter the code maker mom you will get a 20 percent discount off any of the merchandise that you buy so that's just toolmomstore.com all right let's head back into the action but i do want to dive in a little bit you know because you you've obviously you've found your voice and it looks how it looks for you um what was, I guess, uh, scary about trying to find that voice then? Imposter syndrome, mm. just straight up imposter syndrome. Just like when I got discussion or good feedback or when there were opportunities about showing or, you know, a little bit like, I felt like I was being like really supported. 
um, I started getting this weird vibe that I might not deserve it. Um, you know, then there were jokes about like tokenism, like people would be like, ah, you're token. They make a joke or like, yeah, you know, and it was all funny, but not really. Yeah. So when I was like, ha, ha, ha. oh my God, is that what they see? Cause you know, the jokes right. come from reality. Yeah. Um, so it was just one of those things where like, you know, my picture was suddenly on things um, in the school and people were like, oh, I've heard of you. And I'm like, why, you know, I'm just starting. To, I didn't even think my work was like craft-based that strong at all. And it didn't feel like I was getting it because the work was strong. I was getting it because um, I was not common in the glass world. I was not walking around constantly. You know, there was like only two um, people identify as black in the glass department at that time. And I was like, why am I being looked at? You know, mm-hmm. why my craft isn't as strong as the other person of color in this department, Dev yeah. as black, why is anyone talking to me? You know? So it was just one of those things where I didn't think I, I think, I didn't think I'd really truly deserved it. You know, I'm like loud and I like to run around and I like to talk. So I was like, oh, maybe it's because I'm really friendly. Maybe it's because I'm like running around every department I possibly can. Right. Your materials <laughs> and apologizing for even saying hi to them. Cause I just want to get in there. Um, maybe that's what it was, but um, it's taking time, but I'm starting to realize like I work hard. I think things through as much as I can. I push what I can. And I try to create an aspect that people feel comfortable in mm-hmm. so people don't feel like I do, you know? Yeah. So I think that might, I think I might be why, but um, that's been the hardest part. Um, also funding has been really hard. Like a lot of people do want to give their money to people of color to help them out, mm-hmm. but you have to really be putting your foot out there. Like you got to put your whole ass foot out there. And what does that look like when you're just yeah. starting? You're like, I'm not sure how to present myself as a professional. Like, what does that look like? I'm, I'm not even considered a professional, but I'm like, money me, money me, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I feel like that. So it's definitely something as well. Um, and I'm really thankful for the faculty that at Tyler because especially Tyler Glass, um, because they I'll be like, hey, I'm really struggling. And they're like, what can we do to support you? And they're and I'm like, hey, I don't feel like I feel like I deserve this. They're like, please shut up. And <laughs> we're here. Shut up. And you know, just like stuff like kicking the pants kind of stuff that I really need to hear and also support. So I have a community, which is really great. And yeah, you can still question and dissect and like even um like criticize those kind of communities. And that's very important to how they grow. Um, but I am thankful that I found people who will be like, yo, straight up. If you don't know what to do, we'll help you out. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, if you feel like this doesn't look good, how can we make it better? And the conversations are flowing really nicely now. So yeah, that was, those are the hardest things to deal with. And to this day, still kind of haunt me, but they're getting smaller and smaller as I feel more and more confident. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reality is like, I, I don't know if this is your experience or not, but definitely mine. Like I am not a person which will probably be somewhat shocking to the people who listen to this podcast because they think this about me, but I am not a person who makes myself vulnerable, like ever (laughs) (laughs) in any relationship or anything. So the most vulnerable I get is showing my work Mm. to somebody else. Like I don't, I'm not somebody who's who easily shares like verbally or even written my experiences. And so it's like, 
I don't know. It's like you put it out there and you're just, at least personally, I'm just waiting for somebody to knock it. And then it kind of reinforces in my head the like, yep, I knew I was crap at this. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like no, that's where my that. mind goes with. It. No, no, I see that. No, it's true though. Like being vulnerable in an artistic ways, different than being vulnerable like verbally or even in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even when you're when you're writing about your work, you're trying to help piece people to understand your work, understand it. And then when you are putting the work in front of people, everyone's just like either takes it in or there's like what and like you're. You're putting yourself out there like exposed like chest out skin off kind of stuff like it's just one of those things where like i had a silent room for a long time and then i didn't and then i felt overwhelmed by the responses and then i started getting responses that i could see that were good and bad that was like helped me grow and i started getting to a flow of it but there are times someone just like will be like ask you a question and i'm like oh my god what am i doing that oh <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go in my room right now and go listen to like Sarah McLaughlin. I will remember you really loudly, which I've been doing a lot. I'm so sorry to everybody at the studio. <laughs> For some reason, that song <laughs> I played at my graduation high school slideshow, and I can't stop thinking about it. But you know, I only like, think about I just think about sad puppies when I think about that. See, <laughs> I think of that or graduation, and I think that Sarah McLaughlin is not happy with the energy in the studio. She's like, "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> I did not do that, but here I am. Why are you playing at me at funerals? Yeah. I'm <laughs> She's like, play Fiona Apple. I don't know. Do something. Right. <laughs> I'll just play Bjork at my um at my funeral. So everyone will be like, this is what we're gonna think of when we think of funerals now? Army? Oh my God. <laughs> Love it. Um uh I'm keeping track of the time and I want to make sure we pivot some into uh being an educator and you mentioned like you have a co-teacher uh who's also black and then most of your students are black and Mm -hmm. that being a you know I guess a new experience for you what's like what are you enjoying the most about that I'm enjoying things like a lot of these they grew up this is a city I didn't grow up going to school in a city so I'm learning so much, you know, about the cultures and language and the struggles and the joys that they experience. And just like, it was so funny when I first moved here, I was talking to my partner. I was like, y'all got on the subway to go to school? I only saw that in Gossip Girl. That's so cool. <laughs> right. He was like, yeah, it's not that glamorous. I was like, mm, but it's cool. Seven in the morning, your mom in a robe, just like staring at you like, and you're like, Hey, I guess I'm gonna be on the bus now, you know? Right. It's like, you know, that's what like itself, but I didn't see it as I just thought I was like, oh, I wish I lived in the city in New York. And it's right. Right. Cool. So it's just like, you know, these kids amaze me in the way that they've like adapted to this. And then like, I talk about how I adapted to my life and the struggles they grew up with, struggles when I grew up, you know, just like sharing stories. But I really love these kids. Like, our school is there's like a, a huge Polish community around the school um but there's a lot large like Latinx community there's a large black community there's kids that are like Eastern European in my class there's a strong like Asian community in my school it's like just so I hate when people go this is so diverse but it's like it's really diverse and Philadelphia right. itself has been that for me and I love it there are pockets of areas where I definitely did not feel like there was a case and they made sure that I knew that was the case but there are parts where I'm like the community is so rich with experiences of all different levels and then they unify over like 
Philly, Philly over everything, Philly, Philly, Philly. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get into it too. <laughs> you know, flashback to the Super Bowl. That was the most like I've ever felt for a city since I left Baltimore <laughs> after we won the Super Bowl. I was like, this energy. Right. Ooh. But um, you know, like just being able to see like little goofy, nerdy black kids who I was like, who are like little goth kids walking around, just like think they're so big and bad because they're just have a bad attitude I'm like oh are you like dead things I'm like same yes (laughs) like one kid was like miss what were you like when you're our age I was like oh middle school they're like yeah I was like um I was dressing just like you did boots and chains or I wore like my mom forced me to change um so I grumpily did that I didn't really know how to do my hair at all my mom I wouldn't let her wrangle my hair at all. I was like, please don't touch my hair. I want straight hair with bangs. I want like soft red hair, like things that are not gonna happen to a young black kid. Um, (laughs) Not at all. Uh, My crispy bangs that just like sizzled on my forehead said the story when I was a kid. But, um, you know, just like I looked like you and I acted like you and I thought I was bad and mean and I was a lone wolf, you know, but I also like wanted to have community and friends. And I'm a weirdo who loves metal and I'm a weirdo who loves horror movies and I'm a weirdo who like cries watching Gilmore Girls like (laughs) you know like I'm that I'm you and more I'm all of you at a certain extent you know and they're just like oh and I was like yeah so weirdos grow up and we do things to help other weirdos like you (laughs) and they're just like oh you know like (laughs) it's cool because middle school is that time when they're figuring out who they really are and everyone's like oh I could never do middle school I'm like elementary school is like soft and young and chaotic and you're doing everything for them if you're just the art teacher and then high school they're just like I'm an adult I don't even want to be here or they're just like really strengthening who they are going to be as a professional or whatever they choose for their future there's and there's a lot of like intensity in that and I feel like middle school is a perfect little mix of just puberty bo and (laughs) attitude randomly but also like sweetness and kindness and I could see they want attention days they don't want attention just like I don't know like there's kids who were like yelled at me all the time and then now they're just like hey miss look what I drew and I'm like oh you little sweet baby and then they just ask me how my day is when they say they miss me when I'm gone for a day like it just means something even when I don't feel like I'm a strong teacher like I'm still a student teacher but like it I've had days where I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing and then kids are like we missed you where were you they're like, are we doing that again? I like doing that. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> so that's always pretty great. Just knowing that they like do wonder where I am. So that's nice. I think the reason most of us say you're crazy for teaching middle school is because we remember being in middle school. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can't remember birthdays, but I can remember like middle school being like, oh, that was rough. <laughs> 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 that was a terrible time for everyone involved. And no one, I feel like no one liked middle school. Like no one was like, oh, I shined or I grew up to my best self. Everyone was like, I was terrible. The world was terrible. Yes. (laughs) Please MIB erase it from my mind. I hated it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I I moved in the middle of middle school. Moved towns in the summer between seventh and eighth grade. Same. Horrible. (laughs) Terrible time to move because you're just like, you're just like, oh, there's so much going on with me. Do I reinvent myself? Which I would try to do every time. I'd be like, I'm actually from England. I'm, I have an accent. If you hear it, my eyes change color. I'm wearing two different colored contacts. Like I thought I was so mysterious. And I'm like, no, no, you are not. <laughs> You're a middle schooler. 
like, unhappy cat? They're like, no, that is not a thing. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, well, I saw, I think I saw in your bio, you have an art show coming up. Um, yeah. Just want, do you want to take some time and share about that? Yeah. So I have a solo show. I won a, I, I not won, I earned a fellowship at the Da Vinci Art Alliance here in South Philly that allowed me to make a body of work and have a solo show due to quarantine, cutting my senior show short, literally like a month later, it was supposed to be my senior show. They dropped that ax. Uh, we were like, we'll be gone for like a few weeks. Right. Boom, yeah. boom, fast forward. Um, so I never got to have my senior show. We tried doing it on the computer and everything like that, but there's just so much that you don't get to do. Yeah. And so um, this is my opportunity, it feels like, you know, I have this, that's why I applied for it, because I just really wanted to make up for the work that I was been busting my ass on. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's November 3rd, it starts, but the reception is November 4th. Um, It goes to the 24th of November, it's the Da Vinci Art Alliance, South Philly. Um, It's just me on the first floor, accessibility wise, you really can't get in, there's two little stairs, so it's a little complicated because historical building, but we're going to hold a virtual show too. And then I'm going to document everything as well, because of course. Um, but this is a really cool opportunity, I think, because this is the work that I've been wanting to make for years. I've been growing to make. And even the things I had planned for the beginning of this year have completely changed and why I'm scrambling in the wood shop right now. Like, I got to build a, a giant Monstera cabinet. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, I got like eight, 17 days. That's totally fine. Everyone's like, okay. <laughs> so, sure yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, um, I'm scrambling and with student teaching being Monday through Friday from technically 7.30 a.m. to 3.19 p.m. and then studio time 3.30 to whenever I get out of the studio. It's a really rough one for me right now, but um, I just can't wait to show people what I've been avoiding them for. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I only talk through Instagram messages. I'm like, hey, what's up? Bye. I love you. So I'm very excited for this. And then, you know, there's going to hopefully be more opportunities in the future too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Scout, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, this time chatting with you. Um, And I want to give you a chance to let people know, besides the show, where can they find you at and follow along with your work? Yeah. So because I am the age I am, Instagram is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My, uh, is Scout Cartagena Makes. Um, Cartagena is spelled like in Colombia. It's quick Google. Um, that's where I usually post my stuff. Um, I'm working on making my website better, but I'm sure you Google search Scout Cartagena. There's a website or really terrible pictures of me um, at punk shows. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm working on becoming a professional, I promise. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me and you can find me spouting whatever I want to talk about if you ever see me in person. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time on Sunday morning to chat with me. Oh, thank you. It's a really nice 65 degree day. This is awesome. I love doing this. Thanks for having me. Yes. All right. So again, that was Scout and I will include the links on how you can follow along with them in the show notes for today's episode. So where do you find those show notes, you may ask? Well, first, check the description on your podcast app that you're listening to this on. Or if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, check the description box down below. And lastly, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and get today's 
uh, episode and show notes, as well as all the previous episodes and show notes. So you can go check that out. Make sure to follow along with the podcast at Crafting a Revolution on Instagram. And if you enjoyed today's episode and any of the previous episodes, make sure that you hit subscribe and follow so you get those notifications when new episodes come on out. When I am not making podcast episodes, you can find me designing, making, power carving, furniture and home decor, and also dancing. I frequently shop dance. So if that sounds like up your alley, definitely head on over to freemanfurnishings.com and at Freeman Furnishings across pretty much all the social media platforms. I'm active on a daily basis on Instagram and pretty close to daily on TikTok, both of those at Freeman Furnishings. So come on over and say hi. All right, it's the end of the week. I hope you all are having a, have had a fantastic week and I hope you have a just fantabulous weekend ahead of you. And as always, let's go craft a revolution. Revolution for the toxic masculinities. Pollution is the constant evolution of the.